To drink or not to drink? That is the question. My theme verse is 1 Corinthians 10.31. That's the baseline. It's the foundation. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's not about us. It's about him. What will bring him glory? What will allow his life to be expressed in us and through us? For his glory, not stealing from his glory, not calling attention to ourselves, but all for his glory. There are some super points that I want to weave into, weave into this message today. You have the scriptures that I'll be addressing, but I want to share with you the super points, as I'm calling them, that I'll be weaving into this message. And here they are. I'll, I'll list them and then we'll revisit them as we go. Do all for the glory of God, as I've mentioned. Prefer others always. Don't knowingly cause anyone to stumble. Don't get drunk, for sure. Count the cost. When in doubt, don't. Be Holy Spirit-led, not policy-driven. And be filled with the Spirit, not spirits. Let's take a look at that first scripture, or technically the second one, as I have listed, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to read these. Just follow along with me. I, I believe they should be on the screen. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. You know, one thing I've, as I've thought and prayed about this uh, particular subject, I've, I've come to realize, at least my perception, feel free to disagree, maybe you've got a different experience, but it seems like our convictions on this particular subject are, are, are based a lot on uh, our family culture or our church culture, uh, especially our growing up church culture and our growing up family of origin. For example... If a, particular, if a family had a particular standard, we, we tend to go with those standards. And maybe those standards have been influenced by a lot of heartache and heartbreak. Maybe one or more alcoholics were in the home, in the family. And it's like, whoa, I don't want to go there. So I've decided I'll never drink because what I went through with mom, dad, or somebody else was just too painful. How could I ever consume alcohol? So then the decision is made to abstain based on that. But I've, and then a church could have rules and regulations and things that uh, may or may not have a biblical foundation. And, and, it, and a lot of what we do and a lot of how we live is, is cultural. You know, even, even some forms of, <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way, sometimes Christian, sometimes it's a Christian culture. For example... Uh, I'm sure there's wonderful exceptions, but in the Bible Belt South, tends to be more conservative and uh, a lot of Baptist church and so forth. And a lot of times they will, they'll have standards, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, and don't dance with girls who do. You know, those kind of, don't date with girls, or don't date girls that do. So we, we tend to adopt things from a cultural point of view. But what I want to take a look at today, now think with me. Uh, reason with me, but let's get, let's somehow, some way, let's go vertical and uh, 
tap into God's heart today and his word. I know that will be challenging because cultural grooving is so deep. But let's, let's open our heart and, and maybe God will speak to us in, in a new way. Even in my title, my title has kind of a two-edged meaning to it. To drink or not to drink. In other words, that could be to drink as a policy overall. In other words, I'm going to totally abstain. No, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's already decided I'm not going to drink. I'm going to totally abstain. That's my policy. That's my conviction. No exceptions. Boom. Big picture applied to daily living. But then maybe to drink or not to drink, to drink becomes more of a micro-situational decision. It's like I don't necessarily have the conviction, a person may be thinking, I don't necessarily have the conviction not to drink. I'm open to be led by the Holy Spirit, and in a particular situation, I would be free to, on his terms, I would be free to, not getting drunk, of course, he's clear on that. And you may be thinking he's clear on other things, but stay with me. So maybe it's big picture, big policy, Maybe it's maybe the policy is flexible and free to, free not to, not getting drunk, of course, free to, free not to, but Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? So it could be big picture or small picture. But regardless, prefer others always. I can remember, now, part of my upbringing, speaking of cultural family, family of origin, my parents were social drinkers. They didn't get drunk, but they were social drinkers. So it was all part of the culture, social culture that I was raised in. So that was, I didn't have a, I didn't have a a bias, so to speak. Uh, When I started, when I came to the Lord at 24 and got involved initially, uh, well, we, we were born and raised in the Episcopal Church, and they actually, for communion, took real wine, wine and water mixed together, but it was real wine. And we'd go up to the altar, and, uh, and the, um, the rector, as they called him, Father Muller was his name, his title. Uh, he would uh, have a big chalice, a big cup. And, I, you know, can you imagine drinking from that big cup today, you know, in this day and age of, uh, you know, I'm going to drink after somebody else? You know, I, anyway, even though he wiped the cup, but, you know, it was one at a time. And... Uh, Real wine mixed with water, so it was diluted a little bit, but it was wine. So that was part of my, part of my upbringing. But, so I came to the Lord, and uh, even after I... So I drank, drank alcohol before I came to the Lord, drank initially after I came to the Lord. But then something came... A person came up to me one day who was in my Bible study, because within six months I was leading two Bible studies. I was so on fire, so ignited, so hungry for the Word... Within six months, I was leading two Bible studies. And this was back in 1970, before, before we stepped into the flow of Trinity in 1977 in Ron Colley High School uh, evening services. So, but here's, here was my first test. I was at a social gathering, and somebody that was in one of my Bible studies came up to me and said, it was a woman, she looked up at me, and said, if you continue to drink, because I had a drink in my hand, a mixed drink in my hand, we were at a, a social gathering. She said, if you continue to drink, she was not attacking, she wasn't unkind. She said, if you continue to drink, I'm not going to be able to receive from you anymore. Boom. 
it was. And the Lord posed the question, do you want to have influence? It's not about, it's not about living for people, but how much influence do you want to have? So, at that point, I quit drinking cold turkey, not that I was drinking a lot anyway, but I decided to quit drinking, not because of her, but because of a bigger picture. I wanted to have influence. I wanted it to be a non-issue. I was preferring others. It wasn't like, well, free to, free not to. You know, if they got a problem with it, that's their problem. No, I want to have influence. And uh, I didn't want to lose influence. She was an example that the Lord was giving me. You'll not have influence with her anymore if you continue to drink. Do you want to have influence? So, let's go to the next scripture. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go and search for mixed wine. Do not look on wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Obviously, uh, this person that is being referred to is drinking too much. So, the super point that applies, I believe, at least that super point of Don't get drunk for sure. Let's move on to the next scripture. And by the way, when I was back in college, I was a wild man before I came to Jesus, and I got drunk, and I got drunk drunk many times, and sometimes I got so drunk, I woke up the next morning not remembering how I got to that place the night before. So I know what it means to be blackout drunk back in my college days when I was a wild man before I came to Jesus before I surrendered and gave him the keys to my life. Let's move on to the next scripture from 1 Timothy 3. The saying is trustworthy. If one aspires to the office of overseer, he he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Notice in there, not a drunkard. Well, when I became an elder uh, back in uh, 1980-ish with Trinity, before we moved to Phoenix for training in biblical counseling, and then eventually moved back and came on staff in 1982, it was the conviction of Pastor Elmer Murdoch that we were not to, if we were going to be pastors or elders, we were not to consume alcohol, uh, alcoholic beverages at all. At least that was my understanding. So for all of those years that I was on staff with him at the helm, I honored that. And you could say, well, how does counting the cost apply? Well, more than one application here. I didn't have to be an elder, but the understanding was, if you're going to be an elder, this is part of what it will include. That was, it wasn't a sacrifice for me, by the way. But for some people, it might be, they may have different thoughts or feelings about it, counting the cost. If you want to have influence, another application could be if you want to have influence. If you want to be in a, in a leadership role, 
All, all of us can have influence, but if we want to have a leadership role in a church or an organization or whatever the case may be, how much influence do we want to have? Moving on, count the cost. The next one, 1 Timothy 5.23. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach, referring to Timothy, and your frequent infirmities. So, what's the super point here? Be Holy Spirit-led and not policy-driven. So here you are in the privacy of your home, and uh, let's say you're having some stomach issues or maybe some chronic stomach issues, and I have heard of people that have done this, and they've taken a little wine for their stomach, and it has helped. So the Bible says it. The Bible speaks to it. The Bible gives freedom for it. It's not public. It's private. But then you can say, well, I've already decided I'm never going to drink a drop. I'm a total abstainer. Well, you see, there, there's, your, there's your choice. It's you, you have the choice. It's between you and the Lord. So I hope as we go along today, you're seeing this is, this is not an external, this is not an outside-in thing. This is between you and the Lord. And I'm including these super points to, to seed your thinking and test your heart and see where your motives really are. And see where your relationship really is with the Lord and and, and the ability to hear from him. So be Holy Spirit led and not policy driven. Then the next scripture from Romans 14.21. It is good neither to eat uh, eat meat or drink wine, nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Well, certainly it could... This scripture could have the application of related to the one that I mentioned earlier. It was going to cause this particular person that was bringing it up to me. It was going to be a stumbling block for her, and, and it was going to hinder her ability to receive from me. So, does that matter? You know, that's you. You. We have to decide. Does that matter? It matters to me. By the way, I want to have influence. I'm not trying to keep everybody happy. I realize even as I'm giving this message today, there's a risk to this hot topic series. I mean, potentially it can be polarizing because those in our midst today that have decided black and white, hard line, abstain, and if you, if, if, if you drink a drop, you're, you're sinning, you're wrong, and I'm losing respect for you. I mean, that could exist in the minds and the hearts of, of some of you here. I, I pray that will not be the case. I pray... You'll have the Lord's heart on this for you. Not a policy, not a culture, for you. What is he saying to you? So causing your brother to stumble, I certainly don't want anybody to cause anybody to stumble, but perhaps another issue could be, let's project this. Let's say we're in Omaha, Nebraska. Steve and Mindy are going out to celebrate their anniversary. Uh, The next one will be 43, by the way. And we are in a public place, and and, uh, we decide to have a glass of wine. I'm not saying we will, but I'm just giving you a hypothetical, okay? And somebody who has had a drinking problem sees us and says, well, if Pastor Steve and Mindy can drink, then uh, it's probably okay for me then, too. See, 
it's not like I'm taking myself too seriously, but it's like <laughs> I, I would, I, I, my history has been I would tend to underestimate my influence because I don't think too highly of myself. I don't think too lowly of myself. It's my desire to agree with God about myself, but I, but I surely don't think too highly of myself. So I'm not thinking, you know, I'm not assuming that I'm going to have that much influence. But I suppose I do, by God's grace and mercy. I want to, anyway. I want to have influence. I want to have impact. I'm not presuming on that. I'm not assuming that. But what I just gave you is a couple of examples could apply. And certainly, it would be totally inappropriate. I mean, I'll I'll go more to the extreme. If I know someone has had a drinking problem and we're going out to lunch or going out for dinner rather, uh, and uh, am I I going to drink in front of somebody that I know has had a problem with alcohol? Am I preferring them if I do? Am I potentially causing them to stumble if I do? I, I, to me, how that would speak to me is I, would, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that for those reasons. I, I must prefer them, and I don't want them to stumble. Let's go on to the next one, Luke 7, 33 and 34. For John, this is very interesting. They're, they're all interesting, of course, but this one I found very interesting. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So what's the point here? Well, certainly count the cost applies, but why? People are going to think what they want to think, by the way. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? John the Baptist totally abstained. Jesus partook of some wine. He didn't get drunk, obviously. But they, they were both unrighteously judged. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? The one who abstained has a demon. They, they, they said he had a demon, rather. And the one who partook a little bit and hung out with sinners, grace and truth approach, building bridges of grace over which the truth had, had traveled, you know the many stories, the woman caught in adultery, the law said she could have been stoned and killed, but he took a different approach. He that is without sin cast the first stone. They drop their stones. Woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He didn't bring the truth in until the very end. He built the bridge of grace over which the truth could travel. So he didn't compromise. So the fact that he even gave the time of day to the Samaritan woman, some would struggle with, the woman at the well. The fact that he would talk to some of the people that I've mentioned. And the, the, the sinful woman that came and showed up uninvited uh, to the home of uh, Simon the Pharisee, who, the one who, was, who broke the alabaster ba- box and was bathing and washing his feet with her tears and expensive perfume and uh, her hair. So he was known for hanging out with and spending time with sinners from the, view, from the vantage point of the religious. So there's going to be a cost. No matter what you decide, there will be a cost. That's another factor. If you decide to totally abstain, 
no exceptions. Some will judge you unrighteously about that. They'll decide, oh, they're just this, that, or whatever. So audience of one perspective, if you live to an audience of one, that's a non-issue. You probably aren't going to have influence with some of those people. Does that matter? And you don't want to do, you, you know, you can never do enough to satisfy all, so that's a black hole. So audience of one, that's what I keep coming back to. Lord, not culture. What do you want? Your word speaks to um, both sides of this, seemingly. And, and that's a healthy thing, you know. You've got you've to wrestle with this. You've got to decide. And, and it's going to cost you something, no matter what you decide. And, and isn't that how our faith should be, by the way? Being willing to be of no reputation, if that applies. Well, let's go on to the next one. Jesus said to them in John 2, 7 through 10, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. This is the wedding at Cana of Galilee in Galilee. Fill the water pots with water and fill them up to the brim. And he said, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. And he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then he sets out the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now this was the first miracle, the first recorded miracle of Jesus. And I believe it And even he himself represents the new, the new wine. Do all for the glory of God. I think that's just another reminder to us to do all to the glory of God. Whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Moving on, Proverbs 31, 4 through 7. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Again, count the cost. Now, when I was a new believer, another believer brought this scripture up to me because at that particular time I was new in the faith, and it was before the, I I think it was before the woman that I mentioned earlier had approached me and said, if you keep drinking at all, any, I'm not going to be able to come to your Bible study anymore, and I'm not going to be able to receive from you. So I think it was about the same time she said that, and another Christian quoted that, because we were having a discussion, and I was saying, well, I think it's okay, you know, free to, free not to, you know, as long as you don't get drunk. And then he brought up this scripture. I'm just reporting what he said. And he brought up this scripture and he says, well, you know, because we are, we are royalty. You know, you're speaking of a king here, but we, we are royalty. We're king's kids. So this applies to us too. So I thought, okay. At that particular time, I knew God was speaking to me 
pull the plug on this. <laughs> Don't drink. And that's the decision I made. Interestingly enough, though, we were at a we were at Marchio's uh, cafe, Italian cafe, back in the uh, 70s. And uh, we were with Mindy's parents. Her mom was still alive. Her mom died in 1982. And, uh, and then my parents were there. And, and Marchio's Italian Cafe has since burned down. But we used to go there with the Petruses. So the waitress or the server was taking our drink order. And it came to me. And, and I had already decided uh, I'm not going to drink anymore. And my dad was sitting next to me. And uh, I ordered a Coke or something, or an iced tea, imagine that. And, uh, and my dad turned to me and he said, you're not getting a drink? Now, my dad wasn't pushing anything. I mean, I was surprised he even noticed. And uh, I said, well, you know, I said, I'm not trying to project this on you, but I just decided I'm not going to drink anymore. And I, I just want to have more influence. And I could tell that really bothered him. Uh, that I had taken that stand and made that decision. And uh, I don't remember all of what he said, but the theme of his facial, his nonverbal and his verbal was this. Don't take this Christianity too far. That was the theme. Now, years later, we were still holding true to uh, what Pastor Murdoch uh, required of pastors and elders, which had become a non-issue. I didn't even think about it. So we weren't drinking at all. We'd go on family vacation, Panama City Beach, and we met some Bible Belt Christians. I don't know if they were really all in with Jesus, but it was cultural. <laughs> and we were talking about drink, and we were probably hanging, hanging, hanging out around the pool, and they were probably drinking a beer or a glass of wine or something. And somehow the subject came up, and this... Uh, gal with, if you can imagine this older lady, I say this respectfully, with a southern drawl, that tends to be the case with people that live in the south, Uh, she said, now don't get too good, honey. I thought, interesting. (laughs) Interesting. So... One thought that I've had as, I, as, we've been, as I've been listening to what Link and Luke and others have been saying, well, I guess Link and Luke so far, in this Hot Topic series, I wanted you to know, I wanted this to include some disclosure with wisdom and discretion, of course, in terms of what, what have I decided, where, where, you know, what, not just what I decided in the past, but where, where am I now? And you, you have to decide, but I want this message to include some disclosure of what I believe and, and what my position is. Now, you don't have to agree with me, and I hope you don't lose respect for me if you don't agree for me, because I, I want to have influence. But let me give you an example. If you can imagine the example that I gave with Pastor Murdoch and after he retired we weren't thinking oh good he's retired we can have a glass of wine now (laughs) that didn't happen you see I was so grooved in the norm of not drinking it was a non-issue I wasn't even I didn't even have a desire for it so uh I think, what, what year did you retire? Was it 97 or 8? 97. 97. 
So from 97 until 2002, in May, uh, before Justin and Keir, our oldest, got married, we went down to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, Kiowa Island was the area. And we were at Carolina's restaurant. And we were meeting uh, Justin's new bride-to-be, Kirsten or Keir, and her father. Now, her mother, Mary, had died of cancer sometime before, you know, not that much further, not much, uh, not that, not much, that, not that much prior to. <laughs> I knew it would come. Looking for words. It hadn't been that long since she had passed away. A couple years at the most, if not that, if, if maybe even a year. But anyway, Lawrence what I'm getting at is Lawrence loves his wine. And every night for dinner, he has a glass of wine. I mean, that's, that's what he does. Now, he's a little older than we are. He's probably close to 70. Lives in Pittsburgh. He's the owner of uh, American Roller Bearing, very successful businessman. But you never know that he is so wealthy because he is so down to earth and just, just a great guy. So engaging, so wonderful. And uh, we were sitting there at Carolina's restaurant, a beautiful restaurant, and we were, the purpose of it was to meet Lawrence and to especially meet our daughter in law to be. And they subsequently got married the following October. Um, I turned to Mindy and I said, I think we should have a glass of wine. And she about fell off her seat because <laughs> it had been. 20 years, or more, actually. I, I say 20 years because in 1982, I went on staff at Trinity, and here we are, 2002, 20 years later. So it probably been over 20 years, but it had been at least 20. And she looked at me in shock, and she said, are you sure? I said, I feel free. I mean, I think... I'm not trying to impress Lawrence. He probably wouldn't care one way or another whether we have a glass of wine or not, but I just want to join him in the fellowship of something he enjoys and something that he loves. We're not going to get drunk, obviously, but we'll have a glass of wine. And Justin, when we, so we commiserated a little bit and we decided yes. And, just, and when, when we ordered a glass of wine, Justin about, he was the second one that almost fell off his seat. <laughs> Because he had never seen us drink a drop. So it was a historic day in that regard. (laughs) So we did. So we were not in Omaha. We were with family. It was public but really private in that sense because we were, none of you were there. We weren't hiding. We're not hypocrites. But we exercised freedom. And I believe it was freedom without compromise. So that was an application that we made. So I believe my, my conviction is who are you with? Where are you located? Obviously, getting drunk is not an issue. But within, within 
these considerations. You know, who are you with? It'd be a non-option, you know, if there would have been anybody at the table in that setting back in 2002, if there would have been anybody at the table that I would have known had any kind of conviction about this, you know, it'd be a non-issue. Why? Prefer them. Not want them to stumble. Live for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. It's not worth it. It's not an entitlement. It's not a right. And if I can say it this way, it shouldn't even be an issue if we put it under the heading of do all for the glory of God. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what I want. (laughs) I don't want anything to cloud my mind. I don't want anything to affect my decisions or judgment. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not any other spirits, and have him have his way. And then I'll conclude with this. When in doubt, don't. Notice in the Amplified Version, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule and act umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and setting with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the peace of God rule. When in doubt, there you go. (laughs) Don't. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. All of these subjects are important, Lord. We, we, it's so important for more than one reason. We, we certainly want to have your mind and heart for us and our lives and how we live. But, Lord, I think it's also important, this series is also important, that uh, we want to have influence in our city. We want to have influence in the nations. And uh, we want to be more equipped to build bridges of grace over which the truth can travel. We want, we want each and every one to be true to their convictions and go vertical and, and, and live for the glory of God and benefit of others, and, and everybody has a choice. I pray that our choices day to day, week after week, day to day, will not be culturally driven or policy driven, but Holy Spirit led and will really have your mind and heart. I, I really believe, Lord, that's how you lived here on planet Earth. Not a compromise, but I believe you, in your humanity, were, were so in tune with your Father. You did his bidding. And, and as we do the same, we might, be, <laughs> we might be surprised. We might be surprised sometimes and have a Charleston, South Carolina experience. And even then, though, if anybody found out about that, it could cost us something. But we're not minimizing that, Lord. It may not cost us something with the people we're with, but it may cost us with some, something with the people we're not with. So does that matter? Yes. 
So, Lord, as we wrestle, as we pray, as we obey, I pray we are more motivated than ever, more motivated than ever to cultivate our, an intimate relationship with you that is so filled with grace and truth, hope and forgiveness, so filled with compassion, so filled with wisdom that we can navigate these situations in ways that <laughs> are amazing to us and amazing to the people around us and to you be the glory, Lord. To drink or not to drink. That is the question for today's message. And it may be the question that faces us even yet today or this week. But Lord, I pray that what I've shared today will be a help and an encouragement to really press into you and get your mind and heart and then just simply live for your glory and for the benefit of others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have the worship team come again and play one more song. And as they're coming, I have one more thing to read that I forgot, but I'm going to read it now. Link mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago. It's called Others May, You Cannot. If God has called you to really be like Jesus in all, in all your spirit, he will draw you into a life of crucifixion and humility and will put you in, he'll put such demands of, of, of obedience on you that you'll not be allowed to follow other Christians. And in many ways, he will appear to let other good people do things which he won't let you do. Other Christians and ministers who seem very religious and useful may push themselves, pull wires, work schemes to carry out their plans, but but you can't do it. And if you attempt to do it, you'll meet with such failure and rebuke from the Lord as to make you sorely penitent. Others brag on themselves, on their work, on their success, on their writings, but the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do such a thing. And if you begin it, he will lead you into some deep mortification that will make you despise yourself and your good works. Others will be allowed to succeed in making money or having a legacy left to them or in having luxuries. But it is likely God will keep you poor because he wants you to have something better than gold. And that is helpless dependence on him. He may have that he may have the privilege of supplying your needs day by day out of an unseen treasury. The Lord will let others be honored and put forward and keep you hidden away in obscurity because he wants to reproduce some choice fragrant fruit for his coming glory, which which can only be produced in the shade. He will let others be great but keep you small. He will let others do a work for him and get the credit for it, but he will make you toil and work on without knowing how much you are doing. And then, to make your work even more precious, he will let others get the credit for the work which you have done. And thus you will make, and thus your reward will be ten times greater when Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit will put a strict watch over you with a jealous love, and will rebuke you for your little words and feelings or or for wasting your time, which other Christians never seem to distress over. So make up your mind that God is an infinite sovereign, and he has the right to do as he pleases with his own. He will not explain to you a thousand things which may puzzle your reason in dealings with you. He will take you at your word if you 
And if you absolutely sell yourself to be his slave, he will wrap you in his jealous love and let other people say and do things that you cannot do or say. Settle it forever that you are to deal directly with the Holy Spirit and that he is to have the privilege of tying your tongue, of chaining your hand, of closing your eyes in ways that he does not deal with others. And when you are so possessed with the living God that you are in your secret heart pleased and delighted over this particular personal, private, jealous guardianship and management of the Holy Spirit over your life, you will have found you will have found the vestibule of heaven. God bless you. If you have any needs of spirit, soul, and body, please come forward. If the team would come forward to minister to you as the worship team leads us in another song. God bless you.